Welcome to this week's Passport 2. In this episode, we will be discussing female liberation, from cultural norms and attitudes towards sex and sexuality, to societal taboos surrounding female pleasure and more. Joining us, Cameron Longtell, sexpert and brand expert at Lalo, a sexual wellness brand advocating for women's pleasure. We're also joined by wellness editor at The Evening Standard, Rosie Fitzmaurice. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Cameron, over to you. I am the brand expert for Lalo. I've been in sexual wellness and beauty for about 20 years now, um, in every capacity from artistry to business development, um, to product development, and also education as well. But I've been with Lalo in the UK for a bit over three years now and love watching to see the, the category grow in the UK. And we're going to hear more about all of your opinions. Oh, yes. Yes. And also, we have the Evening Standards, Rosie Fitzmaurice. Rosie, tell us about yourself. Hello, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm Rosie Fitzmaurice, and I am wellness editor at the Evening Standard, uh, where I write about a broad range of topics, but my main passion areas are well-being, mental health, self-care, and how all of those things are sort of interconnected. So my job involves speaking to experts like therapists, psychologists, authors, gynecologists um, about the latest trends and research. And in the last year or so, I've really noticed a big shift in sort of the way we're talking about female sexual wellness. I think that lockdown gave us some space and time to think about our overall wellness and, and how sex is a big part of that. And yeah, it was also a sense of escapism. Brilliant. So that takes me very swiftly onto my first question, where I want to jump in and talk straight about sex. It doesn't seem to get the same thought and attention that we give to the rest of our lives. Why is that? What do you think, Cameron? I think that from a, from a woman's gaze, sex, sexuality is such, it's such a layered sort of thing that we experience through our life, right? Sort of like, uh, the whole thing of like the maiden, the mother, the crone, where we go through all of these different sort of sexuality and feminist things of our life. And also generational as well, like where the education is and where, where, where you think about sex and cultural and, and there's so many things where at the end of the day, it, it's, you know, the, the main part, we all know what the main purpose is, is for to, to procreate. I mean, I know this is like the most boring sort of thing, but sexual pleasure is a whole other thing. And how we're viewing it now in 2021 um, is far more evolved than we ever did before. So I think it's such a personal thing. It's such a personal thing. I wouldn't even know where to start because you could like, Rosie? I think it's easy for us to neglect our our sex lives because we're not really taught from, well, I wasn't taught from a young age to prioritize it and to make time for it in the same way that you would say exercising or following a balanced diet, doing things you enjoy, learning something. And I think historically for women, there have been feelings of like embarrassment or, you know, even shame associated with talking about sex. But, you know, we know that healthy a healthy sex life or at least healthy attitude towards sex, whether it's with yourself, a partner, multiple partners can be really fulfilling and have like a really profound impact on your overall sense of well-being. So I think it does deserve more attention um, and we shouldn't feel guilty about devoting time to it. 
Absolutely. And absolutely. And, and it does get neglected and it is part of your mental health, especially masturbation, understanding what your body can accomplish, body confidence and everything that, because it is also so sort of pawned off in the UK as well. Well, globally, but a lot, big, big amount chunk is women's health in and sexuality is really pawned off in the UK as, as a niche sort of thing. Um, and they don't talk about it medically so much as something that they can prescribe actually for mental health, for relaxation, even to overcome traumas. The sexuality is so important. Exercising your vulva and your vagina and knowing your the, the rest of your body is really, really, really important. So... And like Rosie said, it does get neglected. I was always the go-to girl for sexuality, though, since I was a young girl, 13 or 14. I was always very sexually, just very sexual from from a young age. It was just intrinsically in me to, to always understand how I am a sexual being on this planet, who I was in my skin and my body. So that sort of carried me through and then, and change, and it's changed so much throughout my twenties, my thirties after giving birth and going through things. And now into my forties where we're going into a whole other thing like perimenopause and menopause and sexuality, where you see your body, the difference between just, you know, a one night stand and having like some raw, rough sex to like the intimacy part of it and how that also affects your mental health. It's all so very layered and so very interesting. You brought up a lot of interesting things. So you've got your upbringing and being aware of it from being from 12, 13 years old. And there's a cultural aspect. Then there's the education aspect. There's a potential taboo. There's so many factors here. I read something really interesting. The Dutch government issued guidance to single people seeking intimacy during the pandemic, advising them to find a sex buddy. Now that was not by any means on the UK's government advice. So it's a really interesting that that's something that they, they've brought up. They've, they've made imperative to manage your well-being, your mental health during the pandemic. What are your thoughts on that? And do you have any opinions on cultures which are perhaps more liberal when it comes to sex? I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I think the guidance here was either move in with your sexual partner or stay apart, which certainly put like a lot of pressure on people I know. I've always sort of thought that Scandinavian countries and some European countries are definitely considered culturally more open about talking about sex and relationships than say in the UK. But I also think that every country is really nuanced and it's not necessarily as like clear cut. And I think from the outside looking in, it might look like that, but being there and living in that country will feel really different um and yeah just one one thing I thought when you said that was well I lived in Brazil for for a year when I was studying I remember when I got there I was like fascinated by the like pay by the hour love motels over there which are everywhere then I found out in reality it was as much as a sort of practicality as as anything else because a lot of people live with their parents until they're you know married so it's kind of just like where you went for some people to hook up so I think things aren't always what they seem from the outside mm-hmm. you know, when you're a, you're a foreigner visiting mm-hmm. a country exactly and I think also for the fact that there was so many single people alone young 
between the ages of 19 and 27, even 31, women, that they, they wanted to explore their bodies. And that's where the vibrator and sexual wellness category over the 18 months of in and out of lockdown just skyrocketed by about 68%, I would say, in the UK, which is massive. And, uh, you know, buying products that are very exploratory, butt plugs, things that are, that, that are a little bit more intermediate or advanced, whether they've had sex toys or not, it's that sort of that exploration of like, wow, this is what it is. And then you notice on social media sort of it piggybacked from the vibrator sort of boom that social media then exploded as well because then they talked about masturbation. More women were talking about sexual health and during lockdown and showing what they were using and walking through what they were using. Not only the big influencers, but also some some micro influencers and just women in general that have actually really found an interesting and cool voice and platform during that time as well that are very influential now sort of in the UK sexual wellness movement, pushing it forward by having people like us support them with their voice and what, what they're trying to do. So it is interesting how brands, especially like mine, Lalo, really also became, even though we've been around for almost 20 years, really became sort of the narrative, the voice of UK lockdown, really, really, you know, by by going into beauty channels and girls were just able to pop over, buy their lipstick, buy their vibrator and think nothing of it. This is a this is actually a, a massive evolution. You mentioned that demographic, which is a quite a young demographic in the 19 to late 20s. Yes. So firstly, are these the ones that are enjoying themselves the most? And my second question leading on from that is the attitudes to sex and sexuality have changed in the last 10 years. So how do we approach that for the slightly older demographic and to make it more open as well? I think that now 60 really is the new sort of 30, isn't it? Or 40, if you think about it. So it's like the, as, and as, you know, Gen X, like myself, I'm raising, you know, kids that are going to, got this kind of weird sort of block where I was super sexually liberated and then raising also liberated people. But my mom wasn't so much, even though she loved her vibrators, I have to say, but I'm from California. So it's kind of a different vibe over there. And also in the UK, sexual education, I think now is starting to become way more prevalent. My sons are were in year six and year seven and learning some like real, ba- like they're still sort of learning the basics, but I think it's expanding a bit into a little bit more. But what we need the education is that it's also, excuse me, about sexual pleasure as well. It's not just sperm and egg. It's about inclusivity, about different ways of having sex, about all these different, all of these different ways from from bisexuality to pansexuality to to transgender to anything. You know, it's just understanding and, and being empathetic and understanding to what people's sexual orientations are and what they want to do. 
and not being pigeonholed into this kind of thing where it's just like sperm and egg, we make a baby and that's it. No, there's way more outside of that. What do you think, Rosie? I mean, I barely remember any sex education. We did have, you know, the bare basics, but I think attitudes have like hugely changed. Um, And just in the last 10 years. So for example, when I was like in my late teens, yeah, around my teens, um, there was only really one sex toy that I'd heard of, like the rampant rabbit from Sex and the City. Um, And I didn't feel like that much changed into my 20s. But like, you know, now in my 30s, it's like brands like you guys, Lalo, but also, you know, Goop. I know sometimes there's an eye roll when there's a new flavoured candle, but it's also, it's bringing that element of playfulness and fun. And as you said, it's becoming like, you know, I buy a a sex toy as an act of self-care. So in the same way I buy, you know, face masks or creams that, you know, it's like, it's looking after yourself and that's definitely a big shift. And also, you know, with more celebrities like Lily Allen bringing out a sex toy last, last, I think it was towards the end of last year. And my mum read about it and she was like, and she's really liberal, but we never, we don't really talk about sex that much. And she was like, oh, I just want to buy all the women in our family sex toys for Christmas this year. I mean, she didn't, which was a shame, but you know, it was like a nice kind of thing that we'd never really discussed. Never. Yeah. You know, it was. Yeah. Cool. It is. And master, and I have to say, I mean, I always go back to masturbation, how really it is sort of the new, it, it, you know, I think once a woman knows how to do it and is comfortable with doing it, it's such an amazing stress relief. And, and also just to kind of center yourself and understand that an orgasm, I mean, even just a quick wash and wank in the morning, it's like, can really change your day, your circulation, your blood flow, the way your skin feels, just the way that you sort of approach the day. Um, and, and like Rosie said, it's a big part of your, it's just like doing yoga. It's like do yoga, have a wank, have a cup of tea and get to work. Regime. <laughs> it's a regime, right. I know, I, I mean, I'm an advocate of it. Um, especially when I'm feeling that, uh, well, like that kind of bubble up and, and I can't go out for a walk. I just grab my Scylla, my Lalo Scylla <laughs> and away I go. And it's the best thing. So how can we, this is really interesting. How can we make women be more sex positive? Because we're talking about it from a mental and emotional point of view, a spiritual point of view, a physical point of view. Are there active ways that we can stop policing other women's liberation? I know there's a responsibility from Lalo, also from an editorial and an awareness side of it. How can we encourage ways that women can be more open about this? I think that there is, there's a really like fine line between sort of feminism, right? And sexuality. And we, I think, how do I word this? I think that we still see ourselves like through a male gaze. So I think by liberating ourselves, we have to see each other through a female gaze. And I have to say, females are the best at this. It doesn't matter what your orientation is. We are very good. If you're confident and secure in yourself, we are very good about pumping each other up at the end of the day where it's like you are gorgeous you are beautiful I don't think that we see any flaw I mean I never have I've always been like 
you are the most gorgeous creature in the world. I've never had girlfriend issues, but it's like, you're this beautiful person. I always kind of see it through a female gaze. So it just allowed them to be like, oh, oh, wow. You know, by sort of creating that positive body banter, that positive banter about everything. I think it just sort of liberates, but we have to do it together. So if there's moments of weakness, of moments of insecurity, moments of, ugh, you know, like, it's we really do count on. Women support each other. We also, and we have to do it in this capacity as a group and not frown upon another woman doing a sexual act. Or not, or not. And, and, And also the women that are just like, I've got absolutely nothing. I'm asexual. I don't feel anything. I don't know how to feel anything. I don't understand why, you know, some people can and some people can't. And then also embracing that as well as something that they still are a sexual person, do you know? And not to negate the fact if they can't orgasm or this or that, they're still a sexual being walking on the planet, a beautiful human being walking on the earth, right? Yeah. I really I really agree with that. And and I, I recently interviewed um, psychosexual therapist Kate Moyle, who I think is um, a sex expert for Lalo. She is, um, yes. Yeah, and she and she one point she made which I thought was really important about sex positivity was that, you know, it's what you're saying. It's just about a lot of the time people it's about how talking about having sex but it's also just as much as not feeling pressured to have more sex than you are or than you want and so I think yeah my sort of interpretation of sex positivity is it's about like opening your mind to different mindsets and ways of thinking and like I think ways that we can do that now we have way more resources so you could listen to a podcast or you could read a book like we've had a boom in like sort of erotic fiction I like really enjoyed like Daisy Buchanan's Insatiable and there are plenty others or you can download a sexual wellness app like Karma or Furly which offer things like mindful sex audio guides so it's like there are sort of ways that we can interact that don't actually have to be having sex but those things open our minds as soon as we start being sort of accepting ourselves and opening our own minds we naturally become less judgmental to others and more compassionate absolutely and during lockdown you said something interesting and during lockdown we a lot of women were watching a lot of netflix right and there was bridgerton and there was all of these fantasy sort of shows that were on that were really sexy and really hot. And like, and those also like can turn, they make, it's a mind thing. It really is a mind thing. And the audio erotic books also we have on Layla that are fantastic. Yeah, that's good. There's the other resources. You don't have to constantly have an orgasm. It's just really understanding who you are and, the, and it's a journey. And it's a life journey, our sexuality as women. It is a life journey. And it's the it's the curiosity and it's the sadness and it's the happiness and all of the emotions. And then also trying to communicate that with partners to explain like how that is and finding that perfect, not perfect, there is no perfect, but a person to understand how to communicate that with as well, one or two people or whatever it may be, whoever you're with or whatever you're doing. It's just that the the pattern of communication. It's so, it is, now that I'm talking about it, it's fascinating, isn't it? 
It really is. And there needs to be so much more openness about it. I think a lot of that responsibility lies, of course, from brands like Lelo and communicating that and being so open about it, but also from publications. So for you, Rosie, for the Evening Standard, to what extent do you cover sexual wellness? And how do you think the media are taking this up? Because there's a due responsibility here to to open up that message as well. Definitely. I think we've we've definitely noticed an appetite for more sex-related articles. But we're also covering things more like the menopause, perimenopause, which I know you mentioned earlier, Cameron. We're finally talking about these things that, you know, women have been dealing with for ages. So I think the same goes for a lot of other mainstream media. And I think that's right. It shouldn't just be women's magazines that um, you can find articles about female sexual wellness. It needs to be everywhere so that everyone can like join in that conversation. And that's men too. And and that's basically how we break down societal taboos, right? We all are talking about it. It's not just women. So I, I do expect, um, I do hope that we'll be doing more of it. I think, yeah, it's a really sort of exciting area. I do too, especially about perimenopause. And I know you and Rosie, Rosie and I talked about this. Well, she listened and I talked (laughs) because I'm actually in the throes of it. It is also such part of sexuality, perimenopause and menopause. And in the UK, the GPs, again, there's a massive petition right now for women's health to give GPs more education about menopause and perimenopause. So they're not just giving us antidepressants or sending us someplace else, but actually doing proper hormone um, analysis and going through sort of a checklist with us. So we're not, we're not the niche, like what I said. And I'm an advocate for this in the UK. I had to scream very loud myself because, you know, my sexuality has declined. My sexual feeling, my feeling of wanting to have sex or, you know, even like a hop person walks by usually I'm just like oh god you know but it's like I don't feel that anymore and it's sad it makes me frustrated and sad but it's also knowing that I'm going through this massive change also in my body and my sexuality so it's really yeah it is also another another layer that we go from not having any experience at all to going through experience or not experience or different experiences and all of a sudden you're like boom in your 40s and 50s and just like hits you with another thing you're like who am I like what's my identity what's my sexual identity now yeah there's a lot about education here so of course when you're younger learning about LGBTQ learning about self-pleasure and having that as a really core part of education as well and if education is opening up And also when you're a little older and you're going through this, making sure the doctors give you that due education so you're prepared or you know what to expect. So that's really important. And I wonder, Cameron, are there any particular articles or pieces or things that you wished you read more about? There actually is what there was a really great article I read uh, a little bit ago about um, feminist about like feminist porn. Because this is another subject with sexuality, how pornography has, how, like, what what's the feminist role right now in, in porn? And also porn, pornography education, because it's at anybody's fingertips where it used to not be. Some people that didn't have the education got their education through porn. There is a reality, and then there's the performers and performance art in that sort of industry. I'm very interested in that now as well, because 
as a mom to four boys, teaching them, you've got to separate sort of the fantasy between the reality. But now there's this amazing movement with these feminist porn producers, Erica Lust is my favorite. And she is doing um, some amazing work, not only advocacy work for sex workers and performers, but also doing everything through a female gaze. There's um, female-based condoms now called Hanks. There's a brand called Hanks, where it is um, created by females, for females. Ethical Slut is probably my favorite book right now. And, you know, I I have to pick up Insatiable, Rosie, actually. Did you enjoy it? No, I want to pick, I need to pick that one up. I've heard it's great. I devoured it. And then devoured it. Tell us about Insatiable. Yeah. And also, I was just going to mention a brilliant book on the perimenopause is by Maisie Hill, Perimenopause Power. And Period Power, she did. Yes, exactly. The author of Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, a life-changing book for lots of people I know. Yeah. On Layla's Instagram, Cameron, there was a post about Wanderlust, which we loved. So we wanted to put the same question to you. Once you get back out there, where's the first place on your sex bucket list? My sex bucket list would probably be myself with myself. And I would like to go uh, do shibari, which is the art of Japanese reptile. There's a few classes in London where they tie it's and it's really sensual, but it is it is really very they do tie you up tight. It's a wonderless thing because I really want to do it for my own body confidence my mental health. But then, but then like the other part of me is like, you're going to look like Christmas ham (laughs) tied up with a rope like that. And where's your mind going to go? But it is something that I really, really want to do for myself. Because I've done everything from being a nude artist from when I was in university to BDSM to kink and fetish. I think I've done pretty much everything. So now I'm like going back into sort of an intimacy thing with myself I'm learning to love myself in a different way which is really interesting journey what about you Rosie well I I decided I was going to defer to you on that question because I just felt like you your answer would be way more exciting (laughs) I do remember you mentioning was it a blowjob seminar that you gave oh yes (laughs) that sounded the blowjob seminar that we did yeah in the states I did this with one of my very best friends, and she's the godson to my first son, actually. And she is a sex and relationship expert in the States. And we did a blowjob seminar, God, years ago, years ago. It was so much fun. We did it for a celebrity. uh, I signed a non-disclosure for like 15 years ago for her baby shower. It was really nice. We set like pillows, cucumbers, and we did the whole thing. But I have to say, I'm relearning. I'm relearning now that there's all this new, all these new sort of girls and women, young women coming out with like all kinds of different techniques now. And I kind of find it great to read about. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Or, oh, that's that's cool. So there's some new little techniques that the, the younger girls are doing that I'm kind of picking up on. My gosh, I feel like I'm totally out of it. I'm not. <laughs> Next job. That's my sex bucket list. Blowjob seminar. Next time you hold on, Cameron, please tell us. We will be there. I have one final question. 
which I think is a perfect summary, to be honest. What do you believe is the passport to female liberation? I want to let Rosie do this one. I'll piggyback off of you. What is the passport to female liberation? I think it's education, um, acceptance, and remembering to have fun with it. So I think until we can all be really honest and unashamed about how we feel about sex, about how much of it we want or, or as little of it we want without feeling judged, um, then I don't think we can be truly liberated. So yeah, education, acceptance, and fun. I think that's good. And then to pick you up back off of that, communication is huge. Education and communication. And communication will come with knowing yourself. And that's part of that self-love journey. Because the more that you understand what your boundaries are, what your standards are, and where you can let yourself go to and sort of where you want to go to with each partner or your own partner, it's all about the communication and boundaries. And of course, fun. And of course, fun. But also allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Allow yourself, if it's with the right person, or even if you're alone or whatever situation, allow yourself also to be vulnerable because it will bring up different kinds of things, different kinds of emotions and allowing yourself to have that. So if you have this massive orgasm, this massive feeling, you want to cry, then cry. You know, if you want to laugh, if you want to giggle, if you want to whatever, allow that sort of vulnerability to happen as well. Thank you so much, both of you. I think hopefully this is a really good start for opening conversation, certainly for our readers as well. Self-love, that whole journey to go on throughout your life, and it never stops. I think it's really key, communication. But overall, you just want to have fun. Exactly. So where can we follow you both on social media? For me, you can follow my brand, which is Lalo. So that's at Lalo underscore official. And Rosie? Rosie Fitzy one. Brilliant. Thank you. Be sure to follow to be truly inspired. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have some great women in our season two, and we would love you to check back in and listen to them. We've explored the world through food, and most importantly, we have discussed the future of travel, travel post-COVID. If you're enjoying our podcast, please do share, comment, like, subscribe, or just drop us a note and let us know. Available on iTunes and Spotify. Happy listening.